Welcome to the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Discussions with leading attorneys and industry professionals. On this edition, Mark Bennett of Miller Canfield on Green Building Transactional Disclosure Regulations. LexisNexis Podcasts, voted top legal-oriented podcast in the 2008 ABA Journal Blog 100, the annual reader survey of the best websites for lawyers as chosen by the editors of the ABA Journal. The opinions expressed by guests interviewed on LexisNexis Legal Podcasts do not necessarily reflect those of Reed Elsevier Incorporated, LexisNexis, subsidiary companies, shareholders, employees, or customers, and should not be considered legal advice. Beginning in January 2010, building owners in California will be required to disclose a building's energy efficiency benchmarking information to potential buyers, lessees, and lenders. To discuss this regulation and its effect is Mark Bennett of Miller Canfield in Detroit. Mr. Bennett is senior counsel at the firm and leader of its climate change practice team. He focuses his practice on climate change, green building and sustainable development, carbon finance, real estate development, environmental risk management and due diligence, lead certification, and government economic incentives. Mark, I understand the green building transactional disclosure regulations are starting to uh, spread across the country. What exactly are those regulations and, and what would they accomplish? Well, essentially, Steve, this movement has roots in the European community. Uh, it, it emerged under the Kyoto Treaty, something called the uh, Energy Performance and Building Directive, about four or five years ago. And it first hit the market in the UK about two years ago, requiring that owners of commercial property upon the sale of the building needed to disclose, were required to disclose to the buyer the recent energy history, typically 12 months of energy history. And the market essentially wasn't prepared. Um, well, what would be the purpose in doing that? The purpose in doing that is it's, it's the underlying assumption and increasingly uh, recognition of fact that the energy consumption of a building affects the operating cost, which ultimately affects the value of the building because of the impact on the net operating income. So the transparency movement, what I call the green transparency movement in this context, brings that to the surface and makes it a negotiating item between buyer and seller or buyer and lender, buyer and tenant. So it's a concept that started in Europe and has since come across the pond. Yes, yes. Two years ago, actually, Governor Schwarzenegger in California signed AB 1103, which was fashioned on this European legislation under Kyoto, and said to the state of California commercial real estate industry, beginning on January 1st, 2010, thou shalt disclose the 12 months of energy consumption for a property upon sale or lease of the full building, and the Energy Star system should be the basis for that disclosure. So what's happening now with that time period quickly approaching, the market, property owners, brokers are trying to figure out what this means and how they will comply. So how do they comply? Is the Energy Star system the best basis to apply in this case? Well, the statute says Energy Star, but my marketplace experience in transactional work suggests that Energy Star, while the sort of best thing going, is necessary but not sufficient in a green building due diligence procedure. The challenge with Energy Star is that it's a voluntary system, meaning the building owner inputs its data based on utility history and so forth into the system. So the the, the underlying approach to Energy Star requires 
a combination of the energy consumption and building characteristics, including the size, the occupancy load, the date, weather information, which is highly volatile and subject to change, meaning if I represent a buyer, I'm going to want a second look, if you will, at that information because it could impact the value of the building. So I want to make sure that there's no data integrity issues. So what we already see emerging amongst the environmental consulting community and the, the lead AP community is a scope of work that will start with Energy Star but go beyond that. Energy Star, for instance, doesn't address water issues or many other issues like recycling and so forth that may be important. So what we think is going to happen is that the Green Building Disclosure Regulation in California is going to be an instigator for much broader sustainability due diligence. So we have an effective date for this in California, anyway, of January 1st, 2010. Is this something that has spread or is spreading to other states? Yes, it is already spreading. There is a similar statute in place in the District of Columbia. It's the uh, Affordable Energy Program, very similar. Several states are now reviewing in the legislative process. The state of Washington two weeks ago passed it in its state Senate, and it virtually is word for word what California says, but it starts in January 2011. We also see significant movement at the federal level under the uh, stimulus. A lot of the funding through the stimulus of the GSA and elsewhere has what I call green strings attached to it. So if I'm a landlord and I'm going to lease building to the GSA, I need to have uh, certain energy efficiency requirements in place. I may need a LEED Silver certification and so forth. So we're seeing a regulatory activity uh, churning up here, and we're also seeing one of the major landlords or and tenants in the country on both ends, really, in the form of the federal government, stepping in in a big way. What kind of an impact do you think this is going to have, uh, really, on all of the parties involved in a transaction? Well, I think it's going to make sustainability and energy consumption a primary due diligence checklist item that will make its way into virtually every negotiation on the sale, lease, financing, or insuring of a building. And it will really drive, I think, ultimately the public policy, which is why these disclosure statutes exist, to force or uh, motivate landlords to enhance the energy efficiency of their building because they will suffer in the marketplace if they don't. It could wind up being a positive for everybody involved all the way around. Has there been any resistance to this so far? Yeah, I mean, I've heard some resistance, and we saw it in in the EU where there was pushback and there were some dates that were uh, delayed, some enactment dates. But, But here's the other side of the coin. There is both a carrot and a stick here. While the energy efficiency obligations are being enhanced. There are also uh, tax incentives, grants, rebates from local utilities and so forth that can offset some of these capital improvements. So the, the knowledgeable landlord needs to understand that it, it's not all on the downside, that there are ways to address these issues. And the bottom line is, as tenants, the federal government and others start to require sustainable real estate, they don't have a choice. So, you know, the market kicks in at some point. And I guess, too, as a seller, if you're looking for a better outcome, it would be beneficial to make some of these improvements ahead of time, right? Precisely. I mean, in the same way that buildings are generally rated in the commercial real estate industry, sort of A through D, class A, class B, you basically have an energy class. And actually, ASHRAE is advocating 
a European type standard A through G or so, where you'd have an energy uh, score, uh, you know, this sort of classification level. Th there's one other important component here that we should talk about, Steve, on the regulatory front in the form of green building regulatory codes at the local level, which are becoming increasingly prevalent. And under the stimulus, states which take some of the $3.2 billion in allocation to the state energy offices are required to enhance local building codes along the lines we're talking about. Yeah, so, so really there, there's incentive on several fronts. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it's all about being proactive and staying ahead of the market because what we saw happen in Europe and uh, I think we'll see here is a lot of the larger REITs, institutional owners, they're ahead of the curve here trying to prepare for it. Some of the middle market landlords or local ones, they won't realize it until they lose a deal, you know, until they see an impact on lease rates or a sale price. Talked about the standard to apply to these regulations. Is it possible that different states could attempt to apply different standards, and, and how would that be rectified? Well, what's happening now, Steve, is we have what I refer to as the battle of the green standards. So you've got several trade groups, regulatory organizations coming out with standards. You have Energy Star, you have LEED, you have Green Globes. You, you have ASHRAE coming out with its standard. And uh, it's problematic because, and ASTM is getting into the game now, because if you operate on a national level in different markets, you wanted to routinize your due diligence and your, your property management approaches against certain standards. Lenders are concerned how do they underwrite properties against the due diligence standard that's unclear. So I think we're going to have a couple years of a shakeout here as these various standards get vetted by various constituencies and stakeholders to determine which ones or parts of which ones make sense to drive the industry. You think we could ever wind up having one federal standard? Well, what we saw happen in the environmental risk and liability area over the years is uh, ASTM started as an industry-driven standard in the late 80s, early 90s, and some 15 years later it was codified by the EPA. I mean, that took a long time. Um, so I think, yes, there's precedent for it. Um, there are some standards now emerging which are sort of what I would call meta-standards. There's one called the Capital Markets Partnership, or CMP, and it attempts to take the best of the best, if you will. So it, it takes from the LEED system and from Energy Star and from certain renewable energy standards to combine those that make the most sense. So it may be a little different this time because of the ability. Um, I think information technology allows you to facilitate utilization of standards in different ways, and there, there may be uh, a shorter time period under which the, you know, it takes for the, the market to, to arrive at a standard. You think some states might sit back and take a wait-and-see approach, wait and see what happens in California, what happens in Washington, uh, before jumping into this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've already seen some evidence of that. When the president came out uh, in his budget message talking about federal cap-and-trade legislation, which is somewhat indirectly impacts what we're talking about, but it's this concept of federal preemption. Several states which were underway thinking about local or regional participation in cap-and-trade said, well, why should we go down this road if we're just going to be preempted in the very near term? So that could happen. At the building transactional level, I think it's a little different uh, because the market is much more diverse, decentralized. It's a, you know, commercial real estate is largely a local market. Lenders are prevalent. So it lends itself, I think, more to a somewhat of a chaotic evolution until parties come together. You're probably right. 
Mark, what would you tell people about the future of these regulations? Well, I think what I would encourage now is the real estate professionals and all of the allied industries, including the engineers, the consultants, the attorneys, uh, and all the brokers, of course, uh, need to get actively engaged in this debate and discussion because it's going to have a significant impact on their professional obligations and duties. The bar at a national level as well as several state bar associations are starting to get, get quite involved in the debate. So I think education is key. There's a couple of trade groups that I'm active in that some of our listeners might be interested in. One is the Environmental Bankers Association. That's envirobank.org. Um, I chair a committee there on setting carbon risk management standards. We've just kicked it off uh, recently. Our attempt is to survey what's happening out there in the world of green standards to try to give guidance to our members on what may or may not make sense to them. So I think education and engagement is really the critical factor to focus on right now. And you're involved in uh, an upcoming Environmental Bankers Association conference again? Yes, yes. My firm, uh, Miller Cantle, is a sponsor. The uh, semi-annual event is this uh, June uh, 28th to 30 in Chicago, and I'm on a panel. There will be several panels focusing on the evolution of standards in this area and how it impacts commercial real estate and lenders and others involved in, in the transactional process. So I'd encourage individuals to get involved in this group or others locally. And also, um, I'll be speaking at the uh, USGBC Greenbelt Conference this fall, in in Phoenix focused on green leasing. And green leasing is emerging as an important area that essentially encompasses all of what we've just talked about. As I'm transacting and drafting a lease on behalf of a landlord or tenant, I need to be cognizant of all of these issues, especially with a five or ten year plus relationship that I'm trying to craft. So again, spending a lot of time out there educating myself and talking to others because uh, there are a lot of tentacles here and it's important that you ahead of the curve. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to look forward to. And and people could get more information from your firm's website too, correct? Yes, that's millercanfield.com. And uh, we have a climate change section and also a profile page on my background. And you'll see several articles that I've published and other resources that may be of interest to our listeners. Mark, as always, it's a pleasure having you on to discuss some of these issues, and in particular, the Green Building Transactional Disclosure Regulations. Look forward to having you back again. Thank you for being part of this LexisNexis podcast. Steve, thank you for the opportunity. Mark Bennett of Miller Canfield in Detroit. This has been the LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Visit the Environmental Law and Climate Change Center and all our communities at www.lexisnexus.com communities. The LexisNexis Environmental Law and Climate Change Center podcast. Copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, total practice solutions.